Hello, and welcome to The Unique CPA with your host, Randy Crabtree. We're committed to creating a thriving community of accounting professionals who are physically and mentally healthy, fulfilled, and energized by their work. Our ultimate goal is to elevate the reputation of the accounting profession and vastly improve the lives of those in it. The Unique CPA is brought to you by Trimerit, the specialty tax professionals. Today, our guest is Eric Green. Eric is a tax attorney, an author, a speaker, a coach, you know, and I probably about 20 other things that I can go on with. Uh, he, uh, besides founding his law firm, he also founded the Tax Rep Network, uh, which helps accountants start and grow successful tax representation practices, which are probably pretty interesting right now with uh, the funding that's going into the IRS. Um, you know, he helps navigate the ins and outs of IRS collections, offers and compromise, reducing IRS penalties, etc. In addition to that, he was recently named a top presenter on CPA Academy, which was pretty cool for 2022. He and a few other of my friends were, were listed on there, which is cool to see. He also hosts the TRN podcast, Tax Rep Network podcast, which I recently uh, recorded an episode with him. So thank you for having me on. And Eric, welcome to the Unique CPA. No, listen, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's funny because I've heard your name for a while. I've had many people whispering, not even whispering, shouting in my ear, you got to meet Eric, you got to meet Eric. And I'm like, all right, I guess I got to meet Eric. (laughs) I got to tell you, most people don't want to meet me. Um, So yeah, I mean, you know, most taxpayers do not want to meet me. No, that's true. I guess if it's through business uh, that I'm getting introduced to you, and actually we might have to talk. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think I'm good. Uh, yeah, I probably. I'm sure it's a very. Uh, it's a pleasure to meet you. It's just the. Uh, and then on, at the end of it, they're very happy because I'm sure you help them quite a bit. But the upfront yeah. part is probably not the most fun. Yeah. No. So let's let's just jump into it. Let's go. Let's talk about the tax rep network, but but just the whole, I guess the whole overall, I mean, you have been doing this for a while. The TRN came out of it after, and there was a need for it. So why don't you give us an idea of what that need was and, and you starting this and what it is? Well, yeah, I mean, what so what I do is I do civil and criminal taxpayer representation. And inevitably, I'm asked to speak. And so I'm walking, you know, I, I go around the state and I'm speaking for the state society and all that. And that's how we generate work, right? Talk to accountants. They're like, hey, you know, I have a client with a problem. Let me refer them to you. Yep. Um, One day after a talk, I had a CPA actually come up to me and said, I would pay you if you would teach me to do this. (laughs) And I was like, that's interesting. And so what I did is thought about what would I do if I had eight hours sort of as a training kind of program? put it together, tested it, a bunch of lawyers and CPAs and EAs, got the feedback. And so I, I put together my own training program. Uh, I training in IRS representation and I'm selling it on the internet. I sold like you know, 10 of them or whatever, I, you know, not much. I don't have a list. And, um, but one of the people interestingly that heard it was a sales rep for CCH. Hmm. And, and they called me and said, I've been talking to people in Riverwoods. I'm like, wherever that is. It's about five miles from my house. I know where it is. Well, I've (laughs) been out there a lot. And um, we would love to check out the product. They check it out. They're like, look, we think you're on to something here. There's a nice niche. Uh, Would you come to Riverwoods? We're going to record it, you know, in our studio. And I have a whole funny story about that. But anyway, 
Anyway, they go out with this program and they're selling it. They have a real sales force and a real list. And, you know, they sell like a thousand of them. It's great. But I start getting emails from all over the country from accountants. I love the videos. Can I refer someone to you? And I said, well, why don't you do the case? And they're like, well, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm like, look, I'll train you. I'll coach. So now I'm sending like retainer agreements out all over the place. And one of these accountants said, look, can I just give you a monthly like retainer and just have you on for monthly? So I said, okay. We set up a monthly membership. So we have a website, but it's really just like, um, like like a board, right? Where you can post questions and answers. And I said, well, if I'm going to do that, maybe I should like do like real training. So I started doing training. And today, tax rep is I think about 160 hours of technical training, about 40 hours of marketing training. We have about 350 sample letters and checklists and documents for our members to use. And we have about 440, 450 members right now. We run uh, three conferences. And yeah, I mean, it, it's really kind of grown to something. So I, I would have people calling me saying, well, what about the, what are the different levels of membership? What different levels of membership? Like I never thought of it. As a <laughs> there was no grand plan. I forget who it was. I was interviewed. Wasn't Bloomberg. I, I was interviewed by someone, and they said, "You know, it's amazing how you thought this whole thing out." Like, I don't know what you're talking about. I I was like, oh, "Okay, that sounds good. All right, yeah, we can do that. That sounds good." And um, which, by the way, I, I you know you know Gainer. I've got some other folks who are helping, yep. and, and the amount of cleanup they have to do, and they're like, "Why did you do this?" And I'm like, "There was no thought. There was no There's game no plan. plan. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was never meant to be a business. It was simply." the pent up um, professor in me who wanted to help accountants build their practice. And, you know, so we're running like the hundred thousand dollar challenge. Now we have the um, master uh, class um, group that, you know, we have two of my members are launching a conference. I mean, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. But uh, so that's what tax rep is. It's really become this online community of accountants and lawyers who are all trying to build IRS representation practices and get away from, you know, knocking out returns. So when you say, so them building their practice, because originally you they asked you to be on retainer and you would help them. Are you still doing that aspect of it? Is that part of the subscription or that's a totally separate thing? There is a help desk. I mean, it used to be Ask Eric, but it's not just Eric. It's Jeff Squires and Amanda Evans and the other people here. So we literally have a help desk. So the members can go in and say, hey, I've got this situation. I think this is what I want to do. What do you think? Now, if it's something quick, within an hour, usually we email them back. Hey, yep, do this, but consider this. Otherwise, we've, we've messaged them and say, too much to put in an email. Here's a Zoom link. Let, let's, let's hop on Zoom today or tomorrow, and I'll walk you through. Okay. So, no, we actually consult with them. On their cases. This is pretty amazing. And that's for one monthly flat subscription price. Is that how this works? Yep. One one monthly flat. Uh, and then people negotiated, well, can I do an annual? So we have an annual. I mean, you know. It's <laughs> but you thought all that through ahead of time. You knew that annual subscription was going right, to yeah, well, and, and then, you know, that social board where we were just posting, in all honesty, in 10 years, it, it's, it's decrepit. So we're putting in now. TRN Social. So it's a program called Buddy Boss, but you can brand it, whatever. It's effectively like Facebook for the members. 
So there, we're launching this, I think, next month. I already went in this, I went in literally this morning and created my profile, my picture and all that. But it's like a social network within the members area so they can all talk to each other instead of posting and people responding to the post. Right. Um, yeah, this is going in places to places I never thought it would. No, that's, I think that's pretty cool because I was talking with a, a company yesterday that has a platform for communication with tax clients and, and all this. But the more I looked at it, the more I thought about it is, this is so nice because now I know that the only messages in this area are these that are important on tax returns or whatever else. Same thing now with your platform that you've created. I don't have to search through all my emails and see, okay, what's going on? We'll get through the junk. I know if I go to this platform and look at this social board, this is the information that I want to hear. I like that a lot. That's pretty cool. And, and what sold me is, what if I could post something and it's searchable? Right. So now people could literally, in this program, you can go into offers and compromise and see every question, every question and answer on an offer and compromise. Um, so that intellectual property, if you will, is not lost. You know, I'm not, I'm not doing the same thing over and over and over and over. It's sort of there, not for eternity, but it, it's there for other people to go and see and be like, you know, and the fact that it's searchable versus the old board was just in time, right? So you'd have to scroll through eight years to see if anyone had asked a similar question. This is completely searchable. And also they can direct message each other versus posting publicly. So uh, we'll see. You know, it, it's just nothing I would have thought of. Yeah. You did think of it. It's just you have other people implementing now. So that's it. All right. <laughs> it, it's, it's really driven by the members. A lot of the stuff, like even our programs. Yeah. Hey, can you, you know, do you have a program on this? I'm like, nope, but I can create one. Exactly. And yeah. That's what's kept me busy this January is uh, in February now is, uh, you know, I've been talking about it for five years. The capitalization of R&D expenses that kicked in January 1st of 22. I've been talking about it. Everybody ignored me because they figured it wasn't going to kick in. You know, maybe by the time this airs, Congress will make a change and we don't have to. But at this point, we do. And so. I just created a whole hour presentation on what a 174 expense, how to identify it, and what's it, what's it going to affect. And yep. and so, yeah, that's the same. I got the same idea as you. Somebody wants it, let's create some content for it to support them. Right. Uh, speaking of that, then, I'm guessing, I'm guessing you're probably going to get even busier or more uh, subscriptions coming in with the whole 80-whatever billion dollars in funding the IRS is getting. Do you have any thoughts on on that and how it will affect the industry? Well, so we've started getting busier since they flipped the switch and went back to the automated enforcement, which they, you know, they paused it during COVID. Uh, last summer, they uh, they flipped the switch. So automated um, liens, automated under reporter, all that stuff is now back on. So all the people that were kind of cruising along, taking their government money, not filing, not paying, that has all now come to an end. They've already come flooding in. Uh, in terms of the funding, I've seen the nonsense about, you know, 80,000 you know, new auditors. Or what, no. Right. The government couldn't hire 800 new auditors. Right. Easily. Right. That funding is necessary. It really just gets the government um, staffing wise back to where they were in 2010. Uh -huh. You know, because with all the budget freezes and cuts and everything, anyone who can leave the government leaves. As soon as they can retire, no one's hanging around, you know, to 
maximize their retirement, they're gone. So one is to get the staffing back. But a lot of it is their systems need serious upgrading. Oh, yeah. And by the way, a lot of the reasons why we can't do the things like you just think, like I've been on them for years. Why do I have to get piles of letters? Why am I even getting letters? Right. Why don't I have a like a Dropbox or Smart Vault or whatever their version would be, where I get alerted that there's something there? I can log in with my credentials and read whatever is there. Yep. And in fact, they could even have a record that I read it. Yeah. So that they have proof that it was delivered, and save all the money. First of all, a I think they're under pressure to keep the post office in business, but that that's that's my own theory. <laughs> all right. But a lot of it is around security. Their systems are so antiquated. Yep. So a lot of this really is we need to get the systems up. And for the folks who are like, you know, cut their budget, whatever, they think they're punishing the IRS. They're not punishing the IRS. They're punishing themselves, taxpayers, and us who have to try to deal with an IRS where you can't get to a human being, right? Yep. Everyone gives you a different answer. So I think the funding is going to be good for all taxpayers. Certainly, we are getting busier, and we're going to get busier, and we should. I mean, there was, if you don't follow this, there was a TIGDA report. TIGDA is the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration. They police the IRS. They put out a report May 29th of 2020 about the, uh, you probably saw this, more than 10 million non-filers. Many of them are high-income earning. Yeah. Why is the, the IRS knows who they are? Why are we not going after them? The big issue is we don't have trained accountants. We don't have those CPA type auditors. You know, we have they have desk auditors, but the Randy Crabtree type auditors that that are trained and really know tax, those people are few and far between. They're they're like unicorns now at the government. Hmm. To bring, as you can imagine, to bring people in and get them to that level is a massive investment and just takes time. You cannot mint them in two weeks. right? And so that investment has been lost. That is just going to take time. As a taxpayer, it has to happen, all right? And, and listen, I have, I'm on the other side. I have clients, Harvard MBAs, making millions of dollars in lower Fairfield County, Connecticut, who haven't filed in 10 years. Oh, man. Yeah. And, you know, what happens is something happened. They couldn't get it done. And then it becomes like a just a way of being. Right. So next year, we'll deal with it next year. I'll find a new accountant or whatever. And um, at one point, there will be a at the oh, yeah. front door. Yep. But until that happens, they're, they're just going to keep going. So are they all, in their minds at least, overpaid so they're not concerned about it? Or is this something they're just ignoring completely? They're just ignoring. Okay. They're just ignoring. And in all honesty, you know, their experience is that the government's not looking at them. Right. The government doesn't have the resources to go after them. Right. Um, and so we, that is an investment we all need to make back. So it, that's a long way of saying, I think the $80 billion is good. Don't believe the hype. No, I don't. About, about you know, auditors parachuting into your cabanas, <laughs> grabbing your stuff. It, it's not going to happen. <laughs> All right. They're not going to just use a, a little uh, toy airplanes to come pick up your checkbook, take it back, or what are those called? Where they like Amazon's going to use for deliveries? Why is my mind blank? The drones. They're going to have IRS yeah. drones come and pick up your uh, payment. 
CI to drones, basically, that we've determined you owe money, either hand over the stuff or, yeah. or, or maybe armed. they're going to be armed drones. You're going to have the criminal investigation unit just be all drones now for IRS. <laughs> I think Chief Lee would probably like that, but no, right. no not, not yet. All right. So the one thing, though, that and, and I don't know if you have any insights on this at all. We talked a little bit ahead of time and this I mentioned ERC. But what we're hearing is that, well, one, the employee retention credit, in my mind, is the easiest thing to audit. It is so easy to identify one, somebody that shouldn't have taken it. Right. Um, and or at least identify someone that probably shouldn't have taken it. You go in, you ask about revenue drop and you look and if it's not there, you know, they're a manufacturer, essential business in, you know, some state that you know didn't have many mandates and all of a sudden they took six quarters of ERC. It's really easy to go audit that. So this is going to be a no-brainer, I think. But what we're hearing, so the long question here is, what we're hearing is that they are taking a lot of auditors and retraining them just for ERC, which Honestly, to me, it makes a lot of sense because that's an easy revenue generator for the government. Uh, have you heard anything on that? I again, we have not seen our first ERC audit yet. I think I think you mentioned you've had like one. You might yep. be getting a second. Um, it's they're just gearing up. Right. We're we're really just at the front edge of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, by the way, one of the things you and I have to talk about is we got to do a webinar on that. Okay. On ERC audits. Oh yeah. I, I think that there's going to be a tidal wave of that coming. Oh, there Give is. Give it a year. Yep. Give it a year. Um, but you know, the people that went to their friend, wink, wink, nod, nod. You know that company that we're going to put on paper, and and they're they're just making stuff up. Um, those people are the ones who should normally be afraid, but often they're in the wind. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, this is the other thing. Tax preparers are being surprised. We're sitting in the beginning of tax season in 2023 here. So taxpayers are going to be surprised when they're doing tax returns this year, some of them, and their client says, oh, and yeah, I got that ERC money. And they're going to go, you don't qualify for ERC. What do you mean you got the ERC money? Oh, well, somebody came and told me I qualify. So we just got $2 million in refunds. And now tax preparers have to figure out how they're going to handle that because they they don't, you know, do I need to put this on a tax return? Do I need to reverse this? Do I need to disclose it on financial statements? There's all kinds of messes that this is going to create. So, Oh, oh no, absolutely. And um, uh, no, I, I, th- I think it'd be a great webinar. It's a great topic. We had it with the PPP money. Oh, yeah. I would get a call from, I would call from a CPA and say, look, I just met with my client. They got PPP money. They paid off their kids' student loans. Is that going to be a problem? <laughs> You're calling me for a reason. You already know the answer. Yes. Yeah. I think the question is, how big a problem is that going to be? Right. 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 So what I've been telling people, what I was like, is, is there any way they can get that money and pay it off? Just repay it? Yeah. If they can do that, no harm, no foul. Um no, not really, but the likelihood is no one's pursuing it. But if they can't repay it, they're not gonna get they're not gonna get forgiveness. No, it, it really is it's um the amount of fraud is unbelievable. Yeah. And, and 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 Congress knows it's gonna happen, but what are you gonna do? I mean, you have to get money out to people. Remember, we're shut down, people's businesses are shut down. So I understand why Congress did it. I would sit here and argue that um Secretary Mnuchin did the right thing by getting money into the economy right away. First of all, we have a lot of people, a lot of businesses that are on a sugar high um, that are kind of come off that sugar high now. 
And I think that, yeah, well, no, I mean, from our perspective, mana from heaven, we're going to have audits, we're going to have criminal cases. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, you are going to be very busy. The other, the other thing I would uh, recommend you uh, start prepping for is the 174 R&D expense uh, a capitalization. You know, if Congress doesn't, and who knows, by the time this airs, maybe Congress acted or not yet. But if they don't, if they don't make changes on this, this is another really easy audit. I got a manufacturer didn't capitalize any R&D expenses. Boom, audit, because I know they have them. So if this doesn't change, I'm just giving you some advice. That's another area you can get prepped for because there's going to be plenty of audits on that as well. We got to do it in the webinar. I, I got to tell you, I think it's, um, you know, there's so much opportunity. Yeah. And, and, and if you do representation, there's always, it's it not filers, it's offers. I mean, it, it's, there's such a plethora things you can do oh, yeah. and so many taxpayers in trouble i mean 25 million at the end of 19 we think we might be as high as 30 35 million between non-filers and people with back balances i mean yeah. It, Crazy. It's, it's yeah the, the need is huge well, so so I'd mentioned this to you before we started recording, but I talked to Paul Hammond this week. Paul runs RC Reports, Reasonable oh, yeah. Compensation. I am a and, huge fan. Yeah, I am too. I've known Paul for years, but this is the first time we really sat down for a length of time and talked. And boy, it was really a great discussion. But he mentioned that, I think he mentioned that you had some kind of horror story on Reasonable Comp or interesting oh, story yeah. that may make sense to share. You want to go over? I was thinking in oh, general, yeah. let's talk about a couple of horror stories, but maybe this is the first. Well, um, so so the issue is reasonable comp on escorts, and Paul, you know, and, and again, I'm a big fan of the of, of, of the of the report, the product, uh, the service, um, to the point where I negotiated a discounted rate for my tax rep members, and I was like, well, and so let me explain for the accountants. I think the software normally is like fifteen hundred dollars. I think we we got like a hundred dollar discount or something. Um, it's not about the 1500 Every S-Corp and C-Corp owner annually should be running a reasonable comp report. Anytime we've used their report, the IRS auditor takes it, thanks us, end of issue. Yeah. They don't, they're not going to challenge it. It's great. So I, I feel comfortable saying it's as close to bulletproofing yeah. the comp issue as you can. Now, the horror story, you know, Paul was talking about, you know, they'll come in and they'll make adjustments. I'm like, the hell with the adjustments? The adjustments are nothing. Let me tell you what happened to one of my clients. We had a client, very well-regarded CPA. He does not do bookkeeping. He does not do payroll, which I think is important. So he has clients that come to him in, in February, March. Here's my stuff. The W-2 is the W-3, the 941s. They are not taking reasonable comp. I mean, of like 50 S-Corps that he has, um, he has about 20 or 22, they take no comp. Everything's no distribution. Comp. Yep. All right. And he sends them letters. You can't do this. If the IRS comes in, they can challenge it. And he, and he says correctly, they have the, they can create a reasonable you know, wage for you or declare all of it wages. All right. Which I think I agree with 100%. So they one of them gets audited. The auditor sees this letter. They then go and pull five more of his escorts. They eventually go and audit him. They um, charged him with 6694A and B. Now, just if you don't know what that is, 
6694A is the negligence penalty for a preparer who did something, it wasn't intentional. B is reckless disregard. It's effectively fraud. And so what they did at the time, it was, I think the negligence was $1,000. Reckless disregard was um, $5,000. They charged him for 21 of these, all of it. It's like $132,000 or something like that in, in, in penalties. We now get involved. And ultimately, so what happens when you when you challenge a penalty, you pay 15% and then you file for a refund. He pays the 15%. So the 15%, by the way, is 20 grand. Yeah. 20 grand files for the refund. Um, we file the, you know, we have to wait six months. We file in federal district court. Uh, the government counters. We end up now in a in a pitch, kind of a, an argument back and forth with DOJ. DOJ, I, I really thought we would win. If we go to trial, I think we're going to win. It is not incumbent on him after the fact to recreate a salary that they themselves didn't take. In other words, the government remedy should have been to go after the taxpayers, not him. Their argument was in sending that letter, he proved that he knew that the return was inaccurate. But that's not true. They didn't claim a salary. The return is accurate. It's filed. So that's, that's the pitch battle. The government called. And by the way, he's now spent about 15000 in legal fees on us. So he's into this for 35000 right, which is probably more than he made on all those returns. The government called and said, um, if he'll concede right now, if he'll settle for what he paid the, the, the 20, we're done. We'll, we'll settle. Now, of course, it's easy for me to say, keep fighting. But, you know, listen, it, it, you go to the client and say, look, you know, because the benefit is you're all done. Right. It's done. They don't go after your license, you know, whatever. On the flip side, we can fight. You can spend 50000 and we could lose. You know, the judge doesn't buy it. And um, ultimately, he, he settled the case. But you talk about a horror story. Oh, yeah. The reasonable comp isn't so much about, you know, 60 versus 70. It's really about if the IRS comes in and they think they see this pattern, they're going after the preparer. So, I mean, so one, you can bulletproof this for the client with the report. Two, you bulletproof yourself. Excuse me, I my clients do get the report. We use the report. The only way IRS to go after me is you're challenging the validity of the report, mm-hmm. right? Not going to happen. But number three, it's an annuity. You don't do this for free. This isn't part of the 1120 prep. They have to pay $500,750 for the report. One of my tax rep members told me, oh, yeah, love RC reports. He said, we take in $25,000 a year on, right. on reasonable comp reports. Yeah. Cost us you know, $1,400, $1,500. And so for three reasons. One, the client ought to prove it. Two, you, you shield yourself because how more reasonable could you be? And number three – you created an annuity stream for yourself, not not to talk business and dollars, but let's be honest, we're all yeah. in business and dollars. You created a revenue stream for yourself using the software. Right. So, yeah, that reasonable comp, just that in general is obviously a huge thing for, for taxpayers and taxpayers in general. How about other things? We're, we're just starting, as we mentioned a couple of times, we're just starting tax season. Are there other things people should be considering during tax season that you find helpful? Uh, well, one of the big things I see is 
if you have taxpayers that are going to owe balances, and, and it could be um, non-filers that are coming in, or just you know this year, if they're going to have a balance due on that return, it is imperative that you say, okay, we're going to have this balance. You know, can you pay it? Yeah, oh no, no I can't. I can't pay that. Stop. Even if you have to put them on extension, stop. Because what we need to think through is what is the end game here? What does collection look like? Randy, I'll give you an example. So I got referred clients who were non-filers. They'd had like horrific things happen to them in the last, you know, six, seven years. So first of all, you only have to, for the IRS, you only have to file the last six years to be in compliance. It's in the Internal Revenue Manual. Most states have voluntary disclosure programs. The IRS has a voluntary disclosure program. It's really for criminal. It's not for civil. Okay. So civilly, if someone came to you and said, you know, I haven't filed since 2000, you don't need to do 21 or 22 years of tax returns. The last six, 17 through 22, they're good. They're in compliance. Um, most states vary, you know, but, you know, anywhere from three to seven years in most states. Before you just need your file joint, this couple gets referred to me. And thankfully, we had draft returns. The CPA said, all right, Eric, we're going to file these, but they want to talk to you first. So I look at them. They're going to owe 650000 you know, uh, and about 150000 to the state. And I said, okay, so let's look at collection. She inherited their home in Laura Fairfield County, small home, but still $1.2 million, no mortgage. And she had been a corporate executive in New York, had rolled over her 401k to an IRA, about 500000 He has a pickup truck and a small IRA. That's it. So I said, I think you should do married filing separate. She is a stay-at-home mom. They have a special needs child. You know, he's a self-employed salesman. Call the CPA. And I said, look, run these married filings separate and let me see what the numbers are. So he called back and he said, now we're up closer to 800000 So we're going to do joint. And I said, no, we're going to do separate. And he said, why would you do that? You're going to cost them 150000 I said, no, I'm going to save her 650000 She can pay. She's got a one, house worth one point two, and cashing in the self-directed IRA, she can come up with 350000 just like that. So they're going to end up full paying this. If we do married filing separate, now I'm in Connecticut. If you're in a community property state, it gets a little more complicated. But in one of the 41 separate property states, let's do married filing separate. She owes nothing. Her assets are off the table. He owes, but so what? I ended up doing an offer and compromise for him for $8,500. Oh, wow. <laughs> and made 800000 go away. So. If you're interested in the strategy, you can come to tax rep. We'll teach you how to do offers. But the big thing for anyone who's preparing returns is don't just knee jerk willy nilly file joint. All right. And but one of, by the way, one of the pushbacks I'll get is, Eric, these people have always filed joint. Now all of a sudden we're going to do separate. Doesn't that raise a red flag? No. First of all, you can pick year to year. A. B. Right. The natural filing which I think most accountants don't understand this, the natural state of filing is married filing separate. You elect to go joint. <laughs> now, once you elect to go joint, you cannot amend out. You're stuck. For that year. If you file before the filing deadline and you amend before the filing deadline, it's called a, um, a superseding return. Yes. If, yep. Then you can actually amend to be separate. 
That's the only circumstance. Once it's filed and the filing deadline is gone, they're stuck. So one is consider the collectability and remember married filing separate. Hey, the other thing is this. The returns come in. Randy, you've, years ago, you've done this. I've done this. They show up on October 15th. you got to hurry up and file it, hurry up, file it, file it, file it, file it, file it. File it. I can't get penalized, file it, file it. And you don't know. It's 5 o'clock on a Friday. It's the 15th, and I, my wife is meeting me at a restaurant. I have a celebration to get to. Here's, here's what you do. Marry filing separate. Shake their hand. Thank you very much. I'll see you in two weeks. We figure out what the hell we're doing, and we can always amend to go joint. You can. You can go the other you way. Amend yeah. to go joint. You cannot, if I file you joint, I cannot amend to go separate. So at least don't do any more damage. Do the married filing separate, and then you can, you know, by the way, they pay for this. This isn't part of the prep. I mean, now we're doing like collection planning here, strategy. You're going to go through that with them. Listen, if they're better off joint, if they can full pay and you want to minimize the liability, amend to go joint, no big deal. But if you determine, geez, I'm glad we didn't file joint. I would have dragged her and her million-dollar house into this. You're a hero. Yeah. Now, they may not see it that way, but you you avoided a malpractice claim because inevitably those people show up in our office and we're going like, ooh, why did you file joint? You know what they say? CPA told me to. Right. Now, the CPA probably never even thought about it. They just hurry up, get the returns, they get the returns done. No one's thinking about the collection aspect. No. So just my, my word of advice, the thing that we see a lot of, that could be a lot of heartache could be saved at the time of filing, is if there's a liability, put the brakes on, you have to consider collectability. If you don't have that kind of time because they've now created a fire drill for you, and we know they plenty of them do, Oh yeah. just you can always do married filing separate. You haven't done any damage. They can always go back and elect to go joint. If you file joint, they're stuck. You're done. All right. Something I never even thought about before. I think that I think that actually shows the uh, that alone is showing me the value of the tax rep network and the knowledge and just that 200 hours of webinars or whatever it is you have and knowledge base and the chat social yep. network yep. everything you got there. Why don't you give us? I think this is a good spot. Why don't you give us a little more information on that? Even though we don't do normally sales pitches, I'm not saying it's a sales pitch. I just saw, to me, it sounds like a very important tool. So give us some more information on it. Well, you know, how about this? One of the other popular questions I get is, Eric, I want to do, do representation. I don't want to get rid of my 1040. Or what should I do with my 1040 practice or 1120 practice, whatever? So my million-dollar book is out, and there's a whole chapter that's what to do with your practice. Honestly, what do you want to do with it? All right. I don't suggest getting rid of it. A, a representation practice really dovetails very nicely if you are doing compliance. So if you want to get out of compliance, you've got the skills. We can teach you what you need to know. But you don't have to. But I, here's what I will tell you to do. What I suggest to all of my members in November, December, first of all, pull your client list. Pull your receivables list. You shouldn't have receivables. No one's return should be filed no. until you're paid. But whatever. All right. We can argue about practice management later. But first of all, anyone that owes you money, go and collect it immediately. After you've collected as much as you can, anyone who's not going to be able to pay, those people are easy. You fire them ASAP. You rank everybody else, A to F. The Fs and the Ds are gone. 
and you know who these people are. You know, the ones that you dread their phone call, their email, yep. they suck your will to live. They're gone. And it doesn't have to be nasty. I told my members, send a letter. Thank you for your past business. We are so busy at this point. We are unable now to continue servicing your account. We, we, you have all of your original documents. Please make sure you find a new preparer for this year going forward. We wish you the best of luck. Basically, <laughs> right? But we're going to do it in a nice yes. way. I put the bird. For <laughs> um, but the A, B, and C clients, rates go up every year. What you want to do, what, what we're going for, your practice should work for you, not you for it. All right. So A, you want to be working with A clients. You want to be working with people that respect you, respect boundaries, are paying you a reasonable fee. All right. And they, honestly, tax season doesn't have to be till midnight, seven days a week. You, you know, I have members... They go home six o'clock. They will put. They work part of part of one of the days on the weekend. Yeah. that's it. Why? They're charging appropriately, and they got rid of the clients they don't want. Uh, and, but to get dovetail on the tax rep, so we have yes, 160 hours of on-demand training. We do three monthly live sessions, a Q and A, case study of the month, and a marketing, you know, uh, web you know webinar with our members. Uh, we do three conferences, but we are also their help desk, so they can actually log in and say, hey, this is my issue. They'll get an email immediately, but otherwise we get on a Zoom with them. So the membership is really, it's a, it's really a training program. Yep. So it's not just you can get to my library. It's you get access to us, right? We're going to we're gonna be there with you building your practice to hopefully that million dollar practice you've always wanted. Nice. All right. Well, um, before I ask for contact information, then uh, we're going to, we're going to wrap up with two final questions. Okay. Yeah, two okay. final questions. Well, one is just contact information. So one final question I haven't warned you about. I don't think I did. Um, so every time we do this, you know, it, I'm just always amazed with the knowledge everybody has and what they're willing to share. And I know you're huge on sharing knowledge with your education and everything. And this is great. When you're not out educating or helping taxpayers or helping tax preparers, what's your outside of work passions and, and what do you love doing? Um, that, you know, that, that, that is, that's something no one's asked me. Yep. Uh, what do you do when you're not here? <laughs> yep. Well, what people see is the cigars and the whiskey because I tend to post those pictures on social. Uh, and, and, and so first of all, people tend to send me cigars and whiskey. Please don't. Um, <laughs> um, um and, uh, no, it's funny. I actually mentioned a particular whiskey that I, I got like eight bottles. Wow. Um, oh yeah. And, and by the way, I have. Two cigars a month. I have one drink a week, maybe. Okay. Right? I'm, I'm I'm not like pounding back whiskey. Um, you know, so outside, I'm actually. I will tell you, and for those who read the book, will know this. I was an out of control person. I didn't have any hobbies. There were no hobbies. Yep. It, my hobby was the next book. My hobby was the next webinar. Right. I'm spending way more time hiking and, and walking and just trying to get fresh air, clear my head, spend time with my wife and my kids before my kids decide they're not going to speak to me anymore <laughs> and leave and all of that. So it's really, I'm trying to get more outdoors and moving. All right. You know, and my 52 year old body needs 
uh, having sat behind a desk all this time. All right. Well, that's good because they're, um, I've talked about this before, uh, and these are stats I've got from my friend John Garrett, who I have to mention his name every episode. I'm, I'm contractually obligated to. <laughs> <laughs> I am not contractually. But he has a statistics out there that I think the number is 93% of people or 92 have an outside of work passion. So you saying you used to be one of that 8%. And you've made the conversion, which is huge because everybody needs to do that. So thanks for telling us that. I appreciate it. Yep. And then the last question, which is not really a question. I think you have an easy answer is if anybody wants to get a hold of, of you or find out more about TRN or, or anything in general, what's the best place for them to look? You know, I'm on all the social platforms, obviously, and everything else, uh, the podcast. But um, it's taxrepllc.com. And um, you can email me either at the law firm, which is a little bit longer, egreen at gs-lawfirm.com uh, or ericataxreplc.com. You'll, you'll get me. I'm actually a pretty easy guy to find. All right. I, <laughs> Honestly, I'm kind of everywhere. I've done a, I've done a Google search. You, you pop up quite a bit. So, yes, you are fairly easy to find. I found you on LinkedIn. That's actually how, even though everybody was telling me I got to meet you, nobody did an introduction. So I finally said, I'm going on LinkedIn and send an Eric a message. I remember that. And, and he responded like that. So so I'm not telling everybody, go send them messages left and right right now, although maybe he wants that. Um, but, yes, Eric is findable. Yep. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to have a tough time hiding from the government if I ever go on the lamp. <laughs> I'm literally everywhere. Yes. Um, no, I like getting messages. Yeah, well, I know you and I are both going to be at uh, some conferences together this uh, this coming conference season. So I'm looking forward to getting together, maybe having a beer. I'm not a whiskey guy. I'll have a beer. And if anybody does want to send me some Pliny the Elder, I wouldn't be opposed to <laughs> That's my favorite beer, which I'm not expecting that. Do not send beer. me beer. So. Uh, well, Eric, thanks again for being here. Thanks for doing this. I had a great time, uh, and I really appreciate every, all your knowledge you're able to share with everybody. So, Randy, thank you for having me. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for joining us today on The Unique CPA. You can find the show notes for today's episode and learn more about Trimerit at theuniquecpa.com. Remember to subscribe and leave a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting app. And join us next time for more expertise and insights on The Unique CPA. Professionalproductions.net